idea, or is your brain too tiny to have ideas? Is there any kind of thought moving around in that Okay, I'm back. I finally made it back. It's the Choke Artist Podcast. It's uh, It's been a minute, as I was just telling our guests here. It's been about, I think, three months since I did this, and I'd like to uh, welcome you back, the listener, and I'd like to welcome my guest. Um, a very good guest to have for a first episode back, because most of the reason I wasn't doing podcasts is because I was laying on a couch. <laughs> I know that life. Writhing in pain, being yep. fucked up from Crohn's. So um, I have Johnny Bentonimo. Hi. <laughs> on the couch. One of my dude, seriously one of my favorite like performers in New Jersey. <laughs> it's more than it's more than going to a show and like, oh, we saw some acts, we saw some bands. Like you put on a fucking show with your music. So well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I uh you know, I like to push it and just get really weird with it. <laughs> you know, like I I don't I don't know. I like you know, like like you, you know, I go to a lot of shows. And not as many as I'd like, but, you know, and so many acts, national and local, like it, it kind of seems like they get up there and they're just kind of running through like their practice set. Sure. You know, and just going through their routine and like I get bored real easy. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of other people do, too. So, you know, you just. You know, you just get really weird with it. And, you know, people are really responsive, whether they, you know, like what I'm doing or hate what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I know that when people leave the show and they saw me, they go, what the hell was that? <laughs> I just saw something. I don't know what it was. And they're probably not going to see it again. Yeah. But you're, you're getting like visceral reactions from people. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Like, you put you put a lot into it. The first time I saw you, I was texting. My friends were like, it was at the meat locker. My friends were upstairs eating, and I was like, you guys have to come down right now and watch something. Because <laughs> you're right. Like, people have these, like, norms and formalities to playing a show and, like, oh, make mm -hmm. sure you uh, play your songs as good as you can and, you know, you're polite and say good set. And, like, you know, it kind of becomes bullshit at a point. And, you know, people, people should be who they want to be. But I, I always appreciate your, like, individuality, like, when you do that shit. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What made you want to, I mean, was it just like to change it up, getting sick of like seeing the same old stuff? Well, when I was like eight, 
I remember I was at my grandparents' house and I snuck downstairs. I was watching MTV, and this is like in like the late '80s. Yeah. So they still showed music. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I snuck down there and I turned the television on. I turned to whatever channel, and there's Axl Rose in an electric chair, and then you know, like, and then he's in like a hotel room's bed, and there's like pythons and prostitutes, <laughs> and like I just like saw that, and immediately I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, like that's. That is it. Like, th- this is what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, I was like a little kid. So I didn't really do anything about it. I didn't know what or how to do it. And then I moved to a little town called Middlesex. It's the borough inside the county. Yeah. Not too far from here. No. Yeah. And it's a really small town. It's like, like, literally, it's like all white people. I'd say like 5% of my graduating class was, you know, like non straight white, sure. you know, like kind of people and so I moved there and I'm you know a bit weird and they had all known me from Sunday school yes I went to Sunday school and um I used to many of us did I I used to wear cowboy boots okay and so they all used to call me cowgirl bob so I showed up to school on like the first day and I'm sitting there and I'm like I don't want to go to school with these people like I remember when I found out that we had moved I was I cried yeah. Like in the back of the car, I was like 12 years, 13 years old or something. And I'm like, oh, they're all mean to me. Like, I'm not going to have any friends. And I lived in Piscataway before that, which is a big town with lots of different stuff Mixed, going on. Yeah. Lots of different kinds of people. Yeah. And I was sitting on the, the stoop or standing and, you know, waiting for the first day of school. And they're going to open the doors. We can all go in. And I just hear from the crowd. Ugh. He goes to our school now, kidding. and and it was just like okay, you know that that's how we're gonna play it. Like yeah, very good. And you know, and I met you know a couple of people that were you know friendly. Sure. And and I kept trying to be in bands with you know with the musicians, and I always wanted to do like a singer. I really wasn't interested in playing an instrument or everything. Yeah. And nobody wanted the really weird new kid in their band, yeah. especially as their their front person yeah you know and girl bob yeah yeah exactly it's like oh what's he gonna do uh you know like you know a lot of like marilyn manson references because i've been shaving my eyebrows you know pretty much since i hit puberty and stuff like that so you know eventually like there was a couple of bands it was not a good band um and it was a couple other like misfit kids didn't know what they wanted to do but you know they played instruments and so i learned how to play bass because okay. I was friends with the singer and they needed a bass player. Yeah. And I was terrible at it. We played like four gigs over the span of like two years. And and then after that, it was, you know, and I got out of high school and like nothing really worked. It was like I'd record a song with like this other kid. But like, you know, it's hard to find people that are like always 100 percent committed to action. They have one of yeah. you are as driven as you are, you know? Yeah. That like, you know, realize that y- you got to put the time in. Sure. You know, you have to practice. You got to get together. Like the people that you're in a band with, you, you got to hang out with those people. Yeah. If you're going to live in a van with somebody, even if it's just for two weeks. You have to be able to get along with yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to be okay with, you know, everybody's body smells yeah. and, you know, like all those, you know, different things. And yeah, and so not never worked out. And then like during my 20s is like when I got diagnosed with Crohn's and everything. And I was in a couple of bands, you know, I'd find people that were really talented, but didn't want to put the time in. Sure. Or people that would put the time in, but were just terrible. Yep. Yeah. Y- you know, so it's one or the other. Yeah. And I tried to live like the, you know, the, the big kid life. I went to college. I was a cabinet maker. So I had like, you know, a good trade job and a, I was engaged twice in my 20s. So I was like trying to 
get the job, buy the house, have some kids, and, you know, do, like, the normal life thing. Yeah. And then Crohn's hit me again at the end of my 20s, and that's how I got the bag that I have now, the colostomy bag. And it was getting towards my 30th birthday. It's a long-winded story. No, it's fine. It was getting towards my 30th birthday, and I went with my buddy Wishbo to go see Slayer and Megadeth. His, I guess, fiance at the time had well, like, what? What should I get? Wish? Well, you know, what should I get him for his birthday? I was like, well, you know, Slayer's coming around. Tickets. Oh, that's perfect. And Slayer was playing all of Seasons in the Abyss. Megadeth was playing all of Rust in Peace. And I'd never seen Megadeth before. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I do like that album. Sure. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Slayer. I've already seen them a bunch I saw of times. Them, dude, I saw them last summer, and they fucking blew it away like, lamb of god opened for them and they were exponentially better than lamb of god like it, I, like they're just so good yeah like they've been doing it for so long at this point though yeah. you know like they know what they're doing yeah you know totally. like almost no stage banter they just get up there and bludgeon you yeah it's fucking great and um i remember like you know i'm, I'm sitting there and like i said it's the first time i'm seeing megadeth and there's dave mustaine and he's soloing and he's singing and he's headbanging all at the same time. I looked over at my buddy and I was like, I'm just going to learn how to play guitar. Like, forget it. I'm just going to learn how to do this and I'll just do it as a solo performer. Yeah. And he said, all right, I'll give you a guitar when we get back to my house. You know, because he was drinking and I don't drink. Yeah. So I drove him home, you know, and we lived like two blocks away. So he ran into his house when I dropped him off, came out with a, a $50 first act that you could buy at any major yeah. retail department awesome. store. Oh, yeah. And, you know, handed it to me and I went home and I looked at it for a couple of weeks. It just kind of sat there in its soft case. Yeah. And, and it was my birthday and I said... We're doing it. And I picked it up and I played it. And it was like 20 minutes and my hands hurt, you know. And I went back the next day and I played another 20 minutes. And a couple weeks after that, I could play 20 minutes several times during the day. Yeah. You know, and next thing you know, I'm like playing for like an hour or two hours. I started writing songs. And that was in an August. And October 31st of the same year on Halloween, I played three different sets at three different places with two songs, one of which still didn't have the last verse. Yeah. And, and, That's awesome. And then it was like, all right, nope, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. You know, now I just need to, you know, write songs and I can actually do that. Wow. Two years later, I started touring. And That's crazy. here I am now working on my eighth release. Yeah. I think in eight years. So three months, you were ready to, well, not ready, but you were already out. Yeah, I started cutting my teeth. Yeah, you that's know, a, a testament to how driven you are yeah. to do it, you know? You and a couple months later, I played, you know, like a bunch of open mic nights. Yeah. I, for like those like first two years, it was pretty much all open mic nights. Similar Now, was it similar to your performance now? And for, for people who don't know, uh, <laughs> Johnny's show is a fucking trip. Like, I think where I last saw you was at, it was like the Alamo's last yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people are just hanging out. In the, in the hallway, not knowing that... I knew you were going on next, but we didn't know when you were starting. I was hiding. You, <laughs> Johnny jumps out with like a... Was it like a tube sock over your head? Like a pantyhose? Stocking, thing? yeah. Yeah, stocking overhead. Fucking just jumps out in the middle of these like kids just talking and just starts going into his show. Which, like I said before, is very <laughs> visceral, just intense. A very like grabbing show. And it was, it was awesome. And then everyone was like, oh, I guess he's starting here. And kids just huddled around and just started cheering your name and shit. It was really cool. It yeah. was, yeah. It, it, shows like that are always fun. Like, I, I played a similar show in Arizona, in Tucson, which has a great scene down there. Cool. Um, last summer. And uh, my tour mate, you know, went on before I did. And he's, like, really mellow and chill and everything. 
and and I just waited in the side room, you know, because it was it was another DIY venue. Yeah. And I'm just waiting, and as soon as he stopped and he crossed into the room that I was in, I literally just ran into the room. Like people <laughs> were like trying to go have like a smoke outside or something. I was like I was I'm not having any of it. <laughs> Like, you know, immediately, and everybody just, like, stopped, stared, and sat back down, because, yeah. you know, it was, like, a really intimate place. Sure. Just, like, 30 people in there, and everybody's, like, sitting cross-legged and just, like, looking up, like, wide-eyed. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, when you start, you got to grab people. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of a show, you can't, you know, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to start with, like, a ballad or a love song, no. not that I have too many of them, but yeah. I, I have, like, a couple of ditties that are, like, a little bit more slow and, you know, like, kind of creepy. Yeah. You know, opposed to that really aggressive, you know, streak that I have. Sure. And, yeah, it's just, you know, like, I really like to kick off the show really strong, you know, because people have really short attention spans. Yeah. And if you're not grabbing them, they're going to they're gonna go outside. They're going to have conversations. You know, true. They're going to twiddle on their phone. I, I don't have any of that at my shows. Yeah. Like, and if I do see you on your phone or talking, I'll stop the show. I'll start yelling at you. Be quiet. Get off the phone. You know, like, yeah. oh, you're Skyping? Let me let me get over in there, you know? I, and, when a band is playing, I like to see how many people take their phone out during the band. Like, just to see how engaged the audience is. Yeah. I like. I was watching, like, a it was like a post-rock band play once, and, like, 28 minutes into their set, they probably played for 40 minutes, which I have a low threshold for post-rock, but it, it was a lot. Like, um, 28 minutes into their set, I'm like, oh, I'm getting tired. And I... I looked around and two other people yawned within 20 seconds. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's about music, but it's also about putting on a show. It yeah. Is, you know? Yeah, like, you know, like when I listen to a record, I want like the musicianship. You know, I want to hear, you know, like I want to hear their passion, but like it's different when you go to a show, like you're not just a musician at that point. I don't consider myself a musician. I consider myself a performer. Yeah. If, if anything more of, you know, like it's more like performance art that just uses music. And my more recent shows, like I'm playing less and less music and just getting really, really weird with it and really engaging with the crowd, you know, cause you got to do something else besides, you know, like get up there and, you know, just run through your set. Totally. Like, yeah, because it's going through the motions, like we were saying. Yeah, that's why I made a point to introduce you as a performer, because it really, Thank you. yeah, it, it really is. Now, like when you first started, was it? Did you find your groove with that at some point, or were you kind of always? I think I like it's just it's very natural. Sure, like this is just kind of like who I am every day. Yeah. except I don't have to kind of like put up those. I have to deal with other people in a realistic sense. Yeah. Kind of walls. Cause like if I walked around like that every day, I wouldn't have friends, you know, nobody talked to me. I'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd have to go live in a cave somewhere. I wouldn't have a job, <laughs> you know, I couldn't make money. Um, so like, it was definitely not like as polished as it is now. And it took, it took a lot of those like open mic nights yeah. to like get through like ironing out, you know, like how to do things and, you know, like how to, how to, you know, get a flow of a show, you know, and had a, you know, what songs should come after, you know, and not specifically songs, but like, you know, the feelings that you're trying to generate. Yeah. The you know, energy that, of the room and how to play off. It. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Really... You know, like, I mean, you know, we were talking about Slayer, like even Slayer has those like slower, creepier songs. Sure. Cause you can't just, you just can't berate people no, yeah. for a half hour or an hour, yeah. you know, like, you know, it, it's almost like too much. You need to kind of slow it down a little bit and, you know, like 
bring people, let people breathe for a second, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, then you just go right back at them again, you know? It's, you know. Even on albums, there's always a song or two that'll kind of bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Oftentimes. Sometimes when there's not, my ears get tired, though. When, like, everything is brick-walled and super compressed and just loud the whole time, it's like, sometimes you need a break a little bit. You yeah, know? exactly. It, it, the other shit will have more of an impact that way. Yep. So the variety is the spice of life. That's right. How how long have you been performing out? This has been um, next month will be eight years. Eight years. Eight years of playing and well, t- okay. So playing out that would be Halloween of this year. Okay. Will be eight years. So coming on eight. Yeah. Yeah. And you you're on your eighth release that's coming out. Something like that. I have six on Bandcamp. I'm about to drop my second on SoundCloud, and I have like one or two that were just hard copy releases. Cool. So yeah, we're floating right right around eight. Yeah. Plus, you know, my greatest shits, which I released last year, um, JB's greatest shits. <laughs> oh, that's so good. This is, you know, the best of all those other releases. Yeah. That are all terrible. <laughs> that's part of the fun. Greatest yeah. Well, shit. I had to do it. Like I do everything myself. Yeah. So you know, I I bought you know a MacBook because it had GarageBand and it was intuitive and that's I was reason right now. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, so I'm just gonna jump on this and and now I can record myself. Oh, I have yeah. like no training. Like you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so I just fucking hit the. Hit I like to think it. they've gotten better over time. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So like, do you do you write about like? I mean, you write about everything. Do you draw inspiration from having Crohn's and like feeling sick? From being sick and being so close to death, because a couple of the hospitalizations that I've had, like, it was literally, like, doctors were like, if you didn't come in, you would have been dead in three days. You just would not have woken up, or you just would have collapsed. Yeah. I had one of those. I had a perforated bowel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a rupture and something else. The rupture was the really bad one, though. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, like, eating... A hole through like two other digestive organs because like the rotten ends were like touching them oh, and fuck. it was like a whole thing it was crazy yeah did it slowly get that bad over time or yeah i went like two years without seeing a doctor that's, I that's where it, i was too yeah like i was doing a lot of partying and just like lots of drugs and not a lot of food sure you know and not sleeping and i'd wake up you know, to go to work in the morning and I'm like, you know, like dry heaving and everything. I was just like, Oh, you know, like whatever, you know, like, like an idiot 19 year old will do. Yeah. And, and then eventually it got so bad. where like, I, I had to drop out of college. Uh, like a week before finals yeah and i had to quit my job because it just literally felt like i was being ripped apart inside yeah and you know and it was like all right well you know all right let's go to the doctor you know i was engaged at the time and you know she made me go to the yeah wow yeah and she made me go to the doctor and well i think by now it was probably like 20 about to turn 21 sure yeah and then for the bulk of that year i was going to all these different doctors in the area and i was getting misdiagnosed they took my gallbladder because they thought i had gallstones not true They had me on uh, drinking prune juice and eating like whole brand cereal. That could make it worse. That w- that just made it exponentially worse. Yeah. They were like, "You have gastritis. You have ulcers. This, that, and the other thing." And yeah. I had none of it. Because this is probably before I got diagnosed in two thousand seven. But when it got bad, okay. I ended up taking a semester off college, like three years later. I was like sixteen or seventeen. But then when I was twenty, is when I got real sick. But you, how old? What year was it when you got diagnosed? Two thousand one. Okay, so. I got diagnosed six years later, but they might have been a little more up on it, I guess. Okay, Cause, yeah. Because it was like kind of, I don't really know completely, but I feel like the 90s brought on more of like processed foods and shit. And, yep. you know, it, that might have brought on more. The IBD is like really high in this country. It's really prevalent, like Crohn's, you see. 
it, not only this country, I've been doing a fair bit of research, mm -hmm. and in I believe in Scotland, one in three young people has Crohn's disease right now. What the fuck, really? Which is crazy. It's like hit like epidemic levels for them, and it's not all you know like an extreme case, yeah. but it's that all these people have it, and what they think they found is that there's a uh, bacteria in milk that's like that it's it's you know i mean it's getting processed it's surviving super hot pasteurization and then like because of other things it's starting to get into the water system from like runoff and everything oh wow so it's getting really bad but the nice side of that is that the university of london is currently in human trials for a vaccine Really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hopefully going to be going to London about 2040, uh, 2042, 2022. Yeah. And seeing if, because I've been in correspondence with them. Uh, it's called the MAPS vaccine. Okay. And I've been in correspondence with them. They're not looking for people right now, but they said, you know, eventually they will be. That will be wild. I always yeah. just assumed I was doomed for the rest of my life. So did I. <laughs> and like, even when I was last hospitalized, the surgeon was like, who knows, maybe we'll have a cure for this one thing. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Right yeah. Now. How dare you say that? Yeah, me? yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't give me fall. Hope, I've eaten like, solid food in three days. Yeah, like, there it, it worked on mice wow. and something else. Like it, it got good enough where you know they did the first round of human trials and they're going in for the second round now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, best of luck with that. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, you too. Yeah, you know, this yeah. is going to affect both of us and you know tens of thousands of other people, if not more. Yeah. So when the ruptured bag, I mean, when you got ruptured, was that when you got your uh, colostomy bag? Or? I had two bags at that point. I had an ileostomy and a colostomy because, like I said, it was eating through other organs. So at the same time, you had two bags going? They brought an ileum up, which is the one that I That's you know, what defecated I had. Ileostomy, into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they gave me a colostomy. And a, it was about a year and a half later, they reversed the ileum, connected it to my colon, and then I used the colostomy bag for like another year and a half. Yeah. And then they reversed that. Okay. And then later on comes back. It was and... like 2008, 2009. So okay. basically like my 20s were capped at either end with, yeah. with you know, like just being hospitalized for months. And, yeah. you know, like I did, I think, yeah, in like 2008, 2009, I did 68 days in a five month span. Yeah. And it was like three hospital stays and the longest being like 48 consecutive days. I missed a Halloween. Fuck. So yeah. all my friends came in costume though. So it was, uh, it was <laughs> righteous. Nice. So hospitalized with a bowel obstruction. Yeah. Or, yeah. So just for, for listeners out there, when your shit gets bad enough, eventually food won't pass because your you know, your intestines become so fucking inflamed. Swollen. Yeah. yeah swelling of the lining. Yeah. It's like an infection almost. So yeah. Um, uh, that's when that's what that's what you get hospitalized with with Crohn's or, or you see or a, a rupture or a perforation, which is yeah. when there's so much pressure and so much buildup <laughs> that your shit just pops. You can't take it anymore. So, yeah, I think 2009 and 10, I spent about two to three months total in the hospital. But they were they were spread out like one was I was hospitalized three times. The last time the preparation emergency surgery because preparation yep. then yeah I've been there you know you're leaking shit and pus and blood into your into your body cavity <laughs> like it's like touching your kidneys you yeah. know like and you feel it you have a headache <laughs> you feel nauseous you're lightheaded you doubled over and you pretty much at that point you have like a day or two to get to the hospital yeah or else you die yeah or, or like the doctor's going to shock yeah they I think they said after my surgery like. Within 24 hours, you would have had to been on dialysis for the rest of your life. And wow. within like two days, you just would have been dead. 
And like, I was such a fucking stubborn. I still am, but like, I was so stubborn. Like, I'm not going to the doctor. It's fine. I'll just <laughs> drink water and eat jello until I feel better. Yeah. But when I, when I was young, I was really stupid. I would just eat like buffalo wings and pizza and cheese. And just like go nuts. Yeah. Cause I would be like in remission. I'd be like, oh, I don't have Crohn's. They're all full of shit. Yeah. I kind of do that now that I have the bag. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's cutting off essentially half my system. Yeah. So I can kind of get away with cheating. I mean, there's certain foods that I'm never going to touch again. Like yeah. things with like seeds in well, it. I was going to say, cause that can get stuck right? yeah exactly yeah. i'm not even playing that game yeah. but like you know i'll have some that's maybe a little spicy or you know maybe try some lettuce yeah. or a little chocolate every it'll, now and it'll then it'll probably come out yeah it'll come yeah out. it'll be fine yeah <laughs> but you know it's it's having the bag it's it, i don't have to like wind sprint to the bathroom you know i'm not crapping my pants yeah essentially you're crapping you know, in, a, in a bag crude about it no yeah you know yeah it's just like oh all right i gotta go to the bathroom because the bag's full yeah yeah, so I, w- I remember when I, I had it for maybe five months, my layosomy bag, but I would eat buffalo wings and just watch, watch it erupt <laughs> like a volcano. Like, yeah, this yeah is you, awesome. could, you could feel it tremoring. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so so you, don't, you don't feel any pain from your shit now, like your Crohn's? Uh, every now and then. I don't really get Crohn's pains, but every now and then because the, you know, like when the bit of your intestine starts like moving, yeah. it gets really weird and like you can get a, like a little crampy. Okay. Um, but like general Crohn's pain, I really haven't had anything that I can even like remember as being somewhat significant. Yeah. Pretty much since I got the bag. That's great. You know, yeah. every now and then maybe, but like yeah. I can't note it. Hold on one sec. The dog's yeah. freaking out. I I feel like there's like. Okay, sorry. It's cool. All right, so uh, so really the hard trampled point. Trampled by a beast now. Yeah, champ. There's a little thunder <laughs> going, and champ was freaking out, but now he's okay. He just wanted some love. So once you learn how to live with a colostomy bag. It's really not too bad. You get used to it. It took like it took a little while to like adjust. Sure. As you know, as a person just getting used to, you know, such a different life cuz you know, like when I was young I thought I was like invincible. I had a really bad attitude. Yeah, me too. You know, like I I I hate admitting this, but it was true, you know, like I was a very casual racist. You know, like dropping an end bomb or hard Fs or using gay as a pejorative was like a normal part of my life. Sure. You, you know, know, a lot of people too, and the climate's changed a lot and it was never okay, but a lot of people yeah. were called, like, you know, well, was, uh, when I was a kid, I would say shit was gay, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I was, you know, like in an environment, I grew up in an environment where that was very normal. Yeah. So I didn't realize that what I was doing was, you know, like wrong or was like, you know, like temper, you know, like possibly hurting and really upsetting people. And I like to like upset people, but not in that kind of you know, kind of way. Yeah. And, you know, like having, you know, that near death experience. And then like when I was in the hospital getting the ileostomy bag off, my fiance broke up with me. Oh, wow. So, you know, and then I had that. So I'm like adjusting to everything is just like so new in my life. And then I started to like travel. And that's when like, it's, you know, like the near death crone stuff like humbled me. Mm-hmm. And then when I started traveling, like it kind of put a lot of things into perspective. Like, you know, I started meeting people outside of my tiny little white town. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And a lot of people don't have that perspective in the whole in the whole country. You got to travel. Yeah. You really you got to get out of your bubble. Yeah. Because then when you go on tour, you go in the middle of America and you're like, oh, wow, there's nothing diverse about this town. You know? Yeah. 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 Like, especially in the middle of the country. It's yeah. just like. It's crazy, you know, and we have like so much space and and now we're going to get political. Um, But like there's so much space in this country. Like I don't understand what the big deal is What like people coming here. Yeah. You know, like it's 
there's like if you have traveled like even once driven across country you know like it will open your eyes to how much space is open a lot you know and there's like there we're the wealthiest country in the world so you can't tell me that there's not funds that we can you know help people you know raise out of you know like yeah. garbage level of living it would it would work out yeah. Would. yeah it would be it would be so fine and like the 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 rate that technology is advancing now like yeah it's crazy you know like people want to think of in terms of them like they don't yeah. like change you know it changes scary yeah it can be really scary it's especially when you're comfortable and you're complacent yeah. You know, but yeah. like that's, you don't advance that way. You know, you know, like you just stagnate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just where, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, well, we were talking about how, when you moved you, your worldview. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, not when you moved, when you traveled. Yeah. Were you traveling for music at that point? No, that was just like backpacking across country, just trying to go to random places and see things. Cool. And yeah, like I'm I, doing that this summer, actually. Nice. So yeah, I'm, I'm leaving for a tour on the 23rd, and then I'm the tour ends on the 10th. Everyone flies back and goes to work because okay. they have to. And then I'm my girlfriend's meeting me out, and we're just driving around the country. For that's like awesome. 10 days, so. Yeah, dude, that that's you know that's what it's all about. You know, like especially just being in the United States. Like there's there's so many you know, and create culture. Like there's so many cultures around the country where people are doing different things or, you know, like I remember on my first tour, I was, you know, going down South and we were playing in the Carolinas and Georgia and like, and they were playing like, like that fury of five mad ball style of like hardcore. Yeah. But that was like, what was new for them? Sure. You know, and stuff like, I'm like, I I was, this is what I was listening to in like in high school, (laughs) you know? And, you know, like things like that, you know, and then you go out to like the West Coast or the Great Lakes states, you know, or, you know, Texas and the desert, you know, and there's just so many different kinds of people living different kinds of lives, eating different kinds of food. Yeah. You know, like, and I I think we're spoiled being so close to New York because we kind of get the best of every aspect. There's still a lot more out there, but you just, it's a big melting pot here. Yeah. Like, you know, world culturally, you know, being that New Jersey, New York area is really beneficial. Yeah. Um, you know, but still, you know, I was, I grew up an hour away from New York city and, you know, like I said, it you was just pretty you know, to any of that. Yeah. yeah. Was, you know, it was, you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta go to those places. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you gotta go to cities and, you know, and visit the people and talk to the people, not, not just like, get your nose out of there, not just like going on vacation and, you know, go into like an insular place. Like, oh, I went to Rhode Island and I went camping. It was like, well, that, you know, camping's cool. Rhode yeah. Island's cool. Yeah. But like, you you don't know what's going on in Rhode you Island. You want to have a you conversation. Know what the forest looks like. Yeah, you want to go somewhere and like talk to the people there. You know. Yeah. And take it all in and see what it's like. Yeah, like I was the first time I I had uh, greyhounded out to California and then we did some hitchhiking. Um, I lived with the Rainbow family. I tried to move to Vegas and that didn't work out. And then like yeah, we went up to upstate California and I lived with like thousands of hippies. What? That's what the Rainbow family the is. Woods. It's like a. Collective. It's like an extended, you know, like kind of like hippie group yeah champ <laughs> i might i might bring him back down now i think he's freaking out because i'm done there but he's got to go hold on so we were talking about getting a worldview. yeah it's important for everyone 
I think so. You know, to growth as a human being and learning, I think is the most important thing that you can do as a person. Yeah, it's not making money. It's not starting a family. It's, you know, it's personal growth. Understanding everything around you as much yeah. as you can, you know? Yeah, you know, like not, and not everybody has that opportunity or, you know, even realizes that there's, you know, something outside yeah. of their bubble. Some people do have the opportunity, though, and don't take it, too. That's true. So my parents have, they grew up in New York. They've only been to like three places in the United States, though. Philly. Oh. New Jersey, New York, oh, and Florida, which doesn't count because, like we were saying, they go to a resort and, like, they don't. Yeah. And the, besides that, they've only been to Italy, like, or, Okay. Like, well, that's, which, that's, that's cool. something, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I haven't been out of the country minus, like, Canada or the Bahamas Yeah, or same, same. But it's just, they're, my family's Italian, so, like, they go and, like, with family, and so they're very okay. well cultured for Italy. Like, okay. they're, like, a cultured Italian people. But it's like, I just want them to know what the rest of the country's like. Yeah. Because there's so much, you know? Yeah. Like At, driving through Arkansas, yeah, the most garbage-looking state I have ever been through, and it was just like I did. I drove through, so I didn't meet anybody there. Yeah, but you know, like, like I grew up in a middle-class suburb. You know, you know, pretty much everybody lived in a two-story house. You yeah. know, like everybody's parents had, you know, a car, and you know, some kids only one parent had to work. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, what, once you start getting outside of like, you know, like your area again, you you like you see not every, everybody doesn't have it, you know, like yeah. that. There are some there are people that like wish that they could go to work every day. Yeah. But they can't. Yeah. You know, there's just there's just not jobs for them. And, you know, the government hasn't figured out a logical way um, or, or maybe they've just decided not to, you know, to actually take care of those people. Yeah. You know, so once you started touring, was it like, were you already okay health wise? Um, I was, I, I had had this bag, so I was just kind of like used to dealing with it. But like all of my tours, I've had a bag on, so like I haven't had really like Crohn's issues so much. Okay. Um, but I've had to, you know, like adapt to having, you know, the bag and being on the road and, you know, like bathrooms for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And of course, you know, like having dietary restrictions, like eating on the road isn't... It sucks. It's not easy. I'm like, kind of worried, actually. Yeah, but like, I, you know, you got to eat out of gas stations and stuff sometimes. Yeah, you're on the go all the time. Yeah, exactly. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, when I had a bag, um, I remember playing a show and my bag, I would stand up after and the bag came off. Like, I always <sighs> have problems with, like, the wafer and, like, the, the bandage around it or whatever. Okay. Like, I've always had problems with that. So I'm curious, like, does that happen to you a lot or? Um, I, I've had a bag drop off twice. Oh, okay. Once was right before a party was going to start at the house I was living at and okay. splat right on the kitchen floor. Yeah. So that was terrible. And yeah. my roommate was like, oh my God, oh my God, girls are coming over. Girls are coming <laughs> over. He's like completely free. I'm like, dude, we're going to clean it, open the windows. Yeah. You know, get, get the Febreze. Yeah. You'll be fine. We'll be fine. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we did that. And the other time I was getting tattooed. And like I got up to go to the bathroom, and it was it was ridiculous. Like I had emptied, yeah. And I went back into the room, and the artist uh, Sam Hambrick, great guy, uh, was in you know like a different room, and then you know I'm literally walking into the room, and the bag just falls off the wafer because like more I had gone more, yeah, so more like, weight, yeah. It just like it filled up and splat right on the floor. It's like the middle of the day at like a high end tattoo shop, sure. You know, and I just like looked down, and I was like mortified. I'm like, oh my god, like how. What do you do? I don't really get embarrassed, but there was just like, you know, like, oh my God. No. What do we do? Yeah. 
You know, you know, Sam goes and he gets the, you know, the uh, mop in a bucket and cleans it up real quick. Um, Did you, you have know, extra really, bags though? I just plop that bag right on. Okay. Usually I'll, I'll carry an extra bag with me. Yeah. Um, it, you know, like I brought a book bag here today. I usually have a couple of things just in case something goes awry. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't need it then. It just, just needed to clip it back onto the wafer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess the hard part is if the wafer ever leaks, like if it, if it shit somehow gets underneath the wafer. Yeah. Or if that comes off your body. Yeah. Which playing drums would happen to me a bit and it just really? be... Oh, because you're getting really sweaty. You're sweaty and, and you're, you're moving. Kind of that sitting position kind of puts the creases yeah, in exactly. the wafer, which is the part that like attaches to your abdomen. Yeah. Your so, abdomen wall. again for listeners, yeah. so <laughs> your body's all diseased and fucked up. So they cut out the diseased parts. They take the part that works good and instead of reconnecting it, where it's more likely for disease to happen then, um, they'll pull it out through your body and they'll make a little nub. So they'll fold it They'll fold your intestines outward. Mm-hmm. So a picture, picture a hose, and you fold the ends outward, and they staple that to your body. Is it stapled? Yep. Yeah, I think it's like stapled or like sutured inside. And yeah. eventually, I think the the goal is that like the sutures will disappear, and it'll just kind of graft. Yeah, and that's your stoma, and that's your little poop spout that everything comes out. So yeah, it's like a spigot on the side of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so then they cut a wafer. They cut a hole in a wafer. You have to measure it to the stoma. Yep. And yeah. then um, you. I'd put it around. It sticks to your body, and that's so like no shit gets on your body. Yeah, you would like adhere it with some sort of like you know paste or powdered. Yeah, yeah a it glue. used to burn when I when I had it. Like, really? Well, because I would get shit on my skin and get irritated, oh, and then there was like this rubbing yeah. alcohol stuff. So yep, I I, I had those issues uh, at the beginning because yeah. the lady at the hospital that taught me how to actually you know like apply my own dressing and change it and everything she had me like using the paste and i would smear the paste all over the wafer yeah and you know and i'm doing this and like i remember the first night i was home i leaked three times and i kept taking showers and changing the way and like i had this like emotional breakdown sure like i'm like naked with no bag on you know like holding like a piece of tupperware underneath it like i need to go back to the hospital like i can't do this yeah you know like my fiance you know she was she wonderful. She calmed me down, you know, and everything. And, you know, we figured out what we were doing. But then I started getting that sore yeah. around it. And I went and saw an ostomy specialist. And she, had, you know, taught me that you're supposed to apply it like caulk. Okay. Just if, when you're using the paste, you use like, you know, like a bead of and the paste around out. the hole. And then you just kind of smush it to yourself. Yeah. And it'll smush where it needs to smush. Sure. Yeah. And create the bond it's supposed to instead of, you know, like smearing it like like, like a peanut butter or yeah. something. Yeah. Totally. Um, and the sores like went away, you know, within Great. like a couple of weeks. And now I've got it down. I mean, I've had it for so long now. Like it's been like eight years basically. Yeah. With this one. So like it's super routine. Totally. You yeah. know, like I know what I'm doing. So like yeah, now it's like it's easy. Like if I need to change it somewhere, I just I basically I just need a shower so I can get like the constant running water. Yeah. And bing bang boom, I can like change it in like under a half hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like to take about like two hours because I like let let it air dry and just kind of let the skin breathe. just to make sure it's really secure on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but you know if if I got to do it and you know in a pinch, I can totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally yeah, you, you know you. You you learn to to live with it. Yeah, you, know? you adapt. Yeah, you know totally. Humans are highly adaptable. Yeah, you know as long as you're open to it and you're not you know like fighting. Yeah, change because you know so you you know you just got to figure out how to get how to you know get along. Yeah, that's how when I when I had it and I know it was like a much shorter time than you had it, but I was like, oh, this is it. Like, what am I gonna do? And it just be like, you know, especially you get, at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, I was nineteen too. Yeah, like, so. 
you know, I and I was put on so many medications that didn't work. And granted, my diet was shit, but like so many meds just didn't really help enough. Yeah, like, that was the same with me. I was like on like experimental stuff. I was sitting there with like chemo patients getting infused. That's what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I go to an infusion lab, and I went once, and then I stopped going because I'm stupid. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need it. But now, like after, <laughs> <What's worked? laughs> yeah, because like I st- I started feeling good, and then like. I had a colonoscopy and my doctor was like, we don't see anything wrong. So I'm like, all right, then nothing's fucking wrong. Why did I go to a fusion lab? <laughs> okay. But, but you know, the colonoscopy only sees so much and there's more of your intestines than like, yeah. Seen. So, yeah. There's upper bowel, lower bowel, yeah. like, and all the different segments. Like a lot of people, I think just think you have like a large and a small intestine. Yeah. And then like a colon and a rectum. It's like, well, your colon's kind of your large bowel. It's so, it's so and long. And then, then you have like your ilium and like, yeah, like, you know, like it, I think if you were to stretch out the whole thing, it's like, it's like miles or something. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it's, it's mutable. It collapses, you know, in on itself. And that's Lots how, of folds. Yeah. It just kind of like pushes the food through that way. It's, it's, it's really having Crohn's is at, at, at least really educated me on the way that the gastrointestinal tract works. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I see a diagram in the office, I just stare at yeah. it and just try to get yep. it all in. And, oh, that's where that is. Yeah. It also made me very more woke to, I hate to use the word, but like just the, what I was eating and what's in all the food I eat and stuff because like, you know, I was a shitty kid. I eat like fast food all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I would, I would notice like at first I would like eat McDonald's and get sick. Okay. And then eventually I had like a perianal abscess. So like Ooh. half in inside my ass and half like outside and just uh, like a boil filling up with pus and blood. Yeah. So my first introduction to like Crohn's was like going to a, a colorectal surgeon and him lancing it that day and just me i remember Ow. i'll never forget yeah tears running down my face and just punching the table and just i feel hot blood and pus like yeah yeah, yeah. down my leg and then that was my first introduction to like all this and i like sat on the donut for like two weeks okay but, yeah, yeah cause I, I haven't had that that is, it was weird because like i've got some of them uh nice deflated grape hemorrhoid things yeah oh, but like oh my that's crazy yeah because you know the more it fills up and like the more pressure you feel it feels like someone's pinching and twisting your the yeah. inside of your asshole like i couldn't cough or sneeze or pee without it hurting like when i would pinch off like it would just hurt oh my goodness so and i no, was also you. like you know i'm italian not that wasn't the reason i'm super hairy so like I uh-huh. went to a doctor once and he was like, everything seems fine. It's a little red. Cause it's just like, you know, an 18 year old boy ass, like jungle of hair. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so like he couldn't see <laughs> he it. A machete to get through. Yeah. Seriously. And then, um, I, when I went to the, the next guy, like two weeks later, he was like, Oh my, this is very large. We need to take care of this today. And then, wow. then I had colonoscopy and all that. You know, I'm sure you've had colonoscopies and all I, that. Yeah. Endoscopies, colonoscopies. Like that's just, it's gotten routine at this point. Yeah. You know, totally. like I, the first one, it was like, oh my God, they're going to stick something up my butt. Only I've put things up my butt before. <laughs> Somebody else is going to do it now. Well, yeah. at least I'm knocked out. Now it's just like, oh, I got to drink that gross fluid again. Yeah. You just Okay. Yeah. Totally. You choke it down. I feel like I end up knowing more than like the people I have to talk to on the phone about shit too. Like yep. for tests and stuff, they're like, oh, there's no prep. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause yeah. like, <laughs> I think there's prep. I, so there's a new procedure then. Yeah. Yeah, because you always got to, like, drink something. Yeah, whether it be laxatives or a solution or, yeah. you know. You got you to clean it out so, you know, you can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember after a show once you told me that you diarrheaed in a Gatorade bottle and put a stick of dynamite a in it. A quarter stick of dynamite in it, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And then uh, it was outside a judge's house, which we I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. It was just, like, a really opportune place to put it. Yeah. 
Um, cause you know, there was like, like a little like alleyway. So, you know, nobody, there was all like high fences to the two houses on either side, you know, and it like, it led off between, you know, like two busier areas. And yeah, we just had this brilliant idea <laughs> to, to light it off at the, at the one end of the alleyway. And I actually, like <laughs> I almost made the fatal mistake. This is my first time playing with quarter sticks. And like, we put the thing in and put the cap back on. And, you know, like ran away to the other end of the alley. You could see the fuse going inside the bottle and all of a sudden the fuse goes away. And silence. Oh, no. And I start walking towards it like, what? Boo! Because, you know, it like sunk in. So, you know, the fuse is gone. Um, But it's dynamite. The fuse is waterproof, you know? And oh, my God. (laughs) It was so loud. We ran back to the house. There was crap all over people's cars. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so gross. But at least, you know, it was a judge's house, so. Yeah. You know, stick it to it. When I had my awesome, I did this thing called shit and run where I... Because, you know, you have the, you know, I was like, I was 19. I had this awesome bag and I would just be like on a street corner with my friends and be like, yo, check this out. I just like empty the bag. Yeah, like, yeah. So one night I went to McDonald's. We filled up the bag. You know, you don't digest all the lettuce sometimes. There's like chunks of stuff in it. Okay, yeah. For, for me yeah. at least. And um, I remember I ran up to sorority and I just threw my hips like I was doing a hula hoop and I squeezed the bag and just globs, <gasps> oh oh globs of shit on the sorority house <laughs> off of College <laughs> Ave. <laughs> I've I've taken the bag off some like it was like you know like a former friend of mine was get, getting a little mouthy getting a little wise and uh, so I told I gave him a warning and he did not heed the warning and off the bag came and I flung it at him he's a very agile person was, yeah. so with his cat like agility he dodged very well <laughs> but in on his back porch was a big uh, poo splatter that I was not cleaning <laughs> and like you know it, 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 we're gonna get a little graphic now but like. It doesn't come out like like a normal person's BM. It's not like solid. No, it's like it cakes. Yeah, oatmeal-y or watery. Like it's it's more fluid than solid. So like it makes a mess. So the next day after I I shit on that house, I like went back and they had like a bucket of bleach outside (laughs) and like a a scrubber and some of the shit was still there. Yeah, because if they didn't notice it. Yeah, yeah, until the next day, I bet. Oh, my God, it's going to sit in the sun and start cooking on the house. Yeah, just disgusting. Yeah, get them. Make other people deal with your problems. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they want to or not, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're, you're you know, at least not in as pain anymore. You yeah, know? It's, it's manageable for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, like, stress is a big trigger. And, sure. you yeah. know, being a performer has helped minimize my stress because now I have like an outlet sure to get rid of all that like you know like just repressed garbage that I'm feeling in you know in my little tiny human brain yeah you know like that stuff needs to get out that's interesting because I I know when um like the singer of glass gel Daryl Palumbo's currents and he said that singing because he'll like sing intense and stuff he said that it's like kind of caused episodes too for him I can I you know obviously he has a much rigorous much more rigorous tour schedule yeah um, than I do so I could see that possibly being a problem if I you know ended up like touring full time which would be absolutely wonderful and I would love to do yeah um, but if I were to be able to get to something like like that level I would think you like you're gonna need days off yeah you know? or at least like you know like after the show you got to go and you got to lay down like yeah like after i perform i'm pretty much spent for like two or three hours you yeah know? like well more like like an hour or two but like right around that like two hour mark is where i was like okay i can actually drive a car again i can talk to people 
you know but you know now it's like so far after i've played like now i can actually function as a human again totally because you know like like you were saying like you've seen it like i i expend everything that i have yeah you put a lot of you know and you know and then before the shows like i i hope i don't come off as like standoffish but like i don't talk to people before shows because i have to like get in that headspace sure like i call it like channeling the demon yeah. You know, I got to, you know, start putting away, you know, that the niceties that I have to have in everyday life and, you know, start dredging up all those bad feelings and all that negativity. Yeah. You know, and, you know, trying, you know, I really like to try and like absorb any kind of negative energy that's like also like in the room, you know, and try and, you know, I'll just like sit there and be quiet and just like monitor what people are doing, you know, and you know, like suck all that energy into me so that I can, you know, then like, like a battery turning like, you know, negative energy into like positive energy, you That's know, and then I can spit it back out and everything. And it comes, you know, I'm sure it's like, it's lewd and it's violent, you know, but I think, I, I think most people at the end of the day get, get what I'm doing, yeah. you know, and see that, you know, like, you know, I, you know, we're all, you know, we're all in this together, you know, and you know, you need to, you, you need to get it out. Yeah, you know. I, when I, when I the few times I saw you perform, I was always like, "That's awesome! That guy's doing his thing, and that doesn't yeah. care," you know. <laughs> and it was always entertaining. Yeah, you thank know? you. And the energy thing makes sense, you know. Take yeah. everything from a room, make it your own, and like kind of expel it. Yeah, because nobody wants to walk around with that, you know, that 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 cloud hanging over their head. And a lot of people don't know how. A lot of people don't have outlets. A lot of people have zero outlets, which I don't understand. Like, there's things that they enjoy, but, like, having a form of expression as an outlet is, like, a beautiful thing. Yeah, for for anything. Yeah. Like, I try and tell people, like, you know, like, I'm doing this because I, I like performing, you know? But, like, that doesn't have to be, like, your goal for it. Like, if if you want to learn how to play the guitar, learn how to play the guitar. If you want to paint a picture, paint a picture, you know, just, you know, go to a craft store, buy a canvas, buy some paints, buy some brushes, just try, you know, and just play, get a sketch pad and, you know, and a bulk thing of pencils, you know, and just do it. It doesn't have to be good. No. As long as it's making you feel good. Yeah. Is what's important. Now, if you're really, if you're just like terrible, now please don't play shows. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't play for 40 minutes. Yeah, because now you're taking up space from people that are like actively trying to do something. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a point where you need to know that you need to get out of other people's way that are taking it more professionally and more serious. I agree. And it's tricky because I'm a, I teach music. So my, I feel like everyone should play music once in their life. Just at some point, you Something should play. Sing, even, at least. even if it's not your thing, you should play it at least for a little to know what it's like. But then, I, on the other hand, as someone that you know plays out and performs, whatever, um, I see people sometimes. I'm like, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. On this bill or just at the show, and like, then I'm like, who am I to say? But then, like, they do something stupid that shows that they're yeah. like, yeah. You know. there, there, there's a certain level. I think a lot of people may have this misconception. A lot of performers have this misconception that it's kind of like a party. You know, and it's kind of like, oh, like, like punk time. You know, we all know that that's real because, you know, like we're all artists that are basically partaking in this thing. Yeah. And we're all procrastinate. Well, not all of us, but like some of us are procrastinators and, you know, there's traffic. Some people have to drive long distances. Some people have work. Yeah. You know, so like not to harp on everybody, you know, that uses, you know, punk time. But like that's just like those kind of terms can kind of be dangerous from people that don't realize that other people are there, especially maybe like the promoter. 
Yeah. You know, and the, you know, the people that are running the venues, but whether they be it. like professional or DIY, yeah. but you know, like you gotta be somewhat professional because you know, like other people are investing their time, their money That's and their sweat into the same thing. Yeah. A lot, you know? a lot of time and money. Goes yeah. Into the and, and, yeah. You know, if you're not like, it, it's fun to act like a kid, but you know, it's at a certain point, like this is a job. Yeah. It's something that you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. For for as long as you can and be as successful as at po- as possible at it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And stop playing shows for free. At venues that serve alcohol. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That drives because that yeah that's a, I don't know why it just popped in my brain but that drives me nuts. They're making the hundreds of bucks off you. If the venues making money, it doesn't matter how many people you draw. If they're selling alcohol, you're entertaining their f- fan base. Yeah. Or a clientele. Yeah. You deserve a cut of that money. Yeah. Even if it's twenty bucks. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Something. You know. Or at least you know they should throw you a couple of drink tickets. Sure. Or you know if you're you know of age you know maybe some food, like something. Pay for your gas money. Like yeah. the venues like that are making money. Don't play there. Yeah. Because it, it it encourages them to get other acts that do the same thing. Then it's just it's just what they expect at that yeah. point. And and like that's not cool. Like we spend lots of money. On equipment and recording, and you know, like all all those different things, like strings, just yeah. having to keep up with strings or like skins, yeah, on the drums, too much. Too much. Sticks know? are like, expensive; it all adds and, up. And I'm happy to spend the money because I love doing what I'm doing. Exactly. But yeah. if somebody else is going to make money off my sweat, they deserve. I deserve their my fair cut. No, I agree. It's not all theirs. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And it's funny that I don't know. There's just a lot of things that are that are weird about playing music now. Like the the amount of time I have to spend on my phone to mm-hmm. post about a tour or shows and stuff. And it's like, why am I? I don't know. This thing is like it takes away time from like yeah. other shit I could be doing. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, I love so doing. I wouldn't want to do anything else. But it's you know it's hard to draw the line with where am I promoting or like talking to people who might be able to help with the show or just help or. You know, and it's I'm, not. I'm so terrible at all of that. Yeah, and it's not only about getting something out of it. I genuinely like connecting with people and like talking, or else I wouldn't fucking do podcasts. Like I wanted yeah. to talk to you about yeah, so exactly. much stuff, and it's cool to meet like-minded people and stuff. But then when I feel like I'm not being as efficient as I can be with my time, where I'm spending too much, and it's my own fault sometimes, just looking at too much shit online that isn't necessary. <laughs> I can I can stay in my own lane, and it, it is a void. Yeah, it really is. You can It'll just suck go you f- in. Yeah. Sometimes I just go on YouTube and just like type in random shit and see what comes up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had one of those days the other day where it was just like, like I, I didn't realize it, but I had been watching like Japanese wrestling for like five hours. <laughs> and then like, and it was just like every now and then I would just like go and check on like Facebook and a dating site and, you know, like a dirt sheet. You know, it's like I have these like four, you know, the, you the, cycle the four websites that I, you know, that I generally just check on every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't like monitor that, you know, like hours have just, you know, passed. Yeah. It's so and, true. And, and your day is wasted. Yeah. I, and I, I've probably said on the pod before, but I can like look up after I've been on my phone and be like, I don't even know what I was just doing. Like after yep. two hours, like I could have read like a bunch of shit. I'm like, what did I just, what yeah. did I take in? <laughs> they really had lasting value. Yeah. You know? Yep. So go, going to live music. Going to shows usually has a positive impression on me, and uh, I try to do that as much as I can now. But the older you get, the harder it gets too. But yeah, I try to go to as many shows as I can because I usually enjoy them. I I wish that I could go to more shows. Um, sadly, I don't have a car. 
Yeah. And uh, on top of that, I don't really have like shared musical tastes. Sure. With my friends group. Like I hang out with a really, not culturally, but like interest diverse group of people. It's basically just like all the weirdos from a bunch of different surrounding towns. (laughs) Somehow we all met in our like late 20s. Yeah. And so, but like, nobody wants to go see like sick shit with me. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, call like Jeffrey J. You want to go see sick shit? What's that? It's like, I was a female fronted, like, power violence band. Like, this, I played with them a couple times. They're great. And, you know, it's just like, why would I want to go see that? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll like, go see sick shit with you whenever you, you want. You know? It's in New Brunswick. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to ride to New Brunswick, yeah. you know? Like, and that's always, I always end up having to like call somebody, but I, there's no re- really that I can call. And now I'm like up in like North Jersey, yeah. you know, like essentially like by myself. And now I have a muggle job after like 10 years of like not having any like gainful employment. So like, that's like, now it's like I have money so I can go to shows, but now it's just like, so uh, who wants to go to a show, you know, and it's, it's crickets. Yeah. You know, nobody, you know, nobody. Most of, my, most of my friends have aged out of like the music scene. Yeah. We all came up in like a similar scene in our teens or like early 20s and most of them have aged out besides like three or four i feel like an old man at a lot of especially like a lot of like diy shows yeah um because like yeah like you know i started playing and playing out when i was 30 and by then like most of my friends were getting engaged they had like you know jobby jobs you know big girl jobs big boy jobs (laughs) you know like you know kids you know and like you know like adult adult responsibilities yeah um so like yeah like it, it it's rare like once every couple of years it seems like I can get a big group of friends to come out but I specifically have to play like one of three bars you know places and, where they're comfortable exactly you know because none of my friends are gonna come to DIY shows except for like my other artist friends because sure, they get it but, exactly you know the, and they're part of the community too the older you get the more set in your ways you get the less likely you are to step out of your comfort zone it yeah. seems you yep. know. A kid was complaining to me at a show recently, like, you know, I'm learning who my, my real friends are now because I'm getting older and they stop going to shows. I'm like, does that get any better? Because he was younger than me. I couldn't tell how much younger. And I'm like, no, it gets it gets worse. Like, yeah. you know, you can't fault them for it. I get why people want to have kids and start families. I'm not going to, like, resent them. Yeah, Everybody's got to live their own life. Yeah. You yeah. Know, everybody has different wants and needs. Yeah. Just make new friends that go to the shows. And, like, exactly. You know. Exactly. Go, go to those shows. Find that other person that looks like they're alone. Yeah. Strike up a conversation. Exactly. You know, if you see somebody that's, like, bobbing your head while you're bobbing your head to this, you know, like, awesome local band. Talk about the music. You know, be like, oh, man, like, I saw you rocking out, you know? And, yeah. like, you know, like, go make new friends yeah you know the, the, like the kid that was talking to you is 20 years old okay yeah <laughs> i i think there's probably you know like looking out at a crowd and you know having gone to so many shows at this point like you can see them you see the people that are there alone that have trouble making friends totally. you know like i'm one of them yeah you know like i do not have an easy time when you know, i go by myself yeah it can be weird but you gotta i still go yeah you, you know? know you gotta you know try and put yourself out there and you know talk to somebody yeah you know it, it might you know like la- make like a lasting friendship that you can you know have for the rest of your life you never know yeah you know I, i've met some of those people and i i'm pretty sure that i'm like there's a handful of people i've met at shows that i'll talk to forever now that's awesome you know yeah. and you know and it was all because you know they came up to me and said like hey i liked what you were doing or i went up to them and was like hey i liked what you were doing yeah so it's a, it's a little di- bit different as i guess as a performer Rather than just a spectator. Well, because there's more com- there's more common ground. You have more things to, to talk about off the bat. Yeah, a little camaraderie. Yeah. But you could still go to a show and talk about music or anything. For sure. Chances are anyone at a DIY show has 
you know, an interesting perspective or a somewhat similar ideal. And not like we all need to be the same. We don't. But you, you, there's some common ground and something you could talk about. Yeah. With someone out of shell. I, that's one of the things that I really like about DIY shows um, is that, like, it seems, and it's not always like this, but a lot of the times the people that are there want to be there. It's not like playing, like, a bar show, you know, where, like, people just go there to drink. They're yeah. not going to applaud. They're just going to sit over at the bar. So you might be playing to like 50 people. Yeah. But when 20 are paying attention, not engaged. it's yeah. not the same. But like when you're playing in somebody's basement or somebody's attic or you know, their kitchen, wherever, you know, or like a small art space that, you know, somebody, you know, scrounged enough money to throw and you pack like that's just those 20 or 30 people that are paying attention. Like they're going to pay attention. It's like if they're not paying energy. attention, it's probably your fault. Yeah. Um, for not being entertaining. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they're just, you know, you're not their cup of tea. Yeah. Which Which happens sometimes. Yeah. Which totally. And I've been to plenty of house shows where it seems like one band draws a bunch of people and the whole rest of the show, they're just outside drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You know, like that does happen. So it's, you know, it's not a flawless system, but generally I find that, you know, if you're at a basement show, you want to be there you want to you want to hear music and see performers that you know that you're probably never going to hear or see again you know like those 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 moments you know that that can't be replicated sure you know like uh, you know again i think is really what benefits a diy community you know as as you know the culture that it gives to other people yeah you know it's just like it's a good point yeah it's something completely different and new and fresh and i'm you see, like you're saying, both spectrums out of your performances. Yeah. Like, you see people that are like, I'm so down with this. This is fucking great. And you, have you seen people that have like shunned it or been like, what's going oh, on? Oh, I've had people like, hey, you know, or, you know, like, especially like at the really be- at the beginning when I was still like my playing was still really rough. Yeah. Um, people would just get up and leave. Yeah. You know, like there was a couple of times where I would like clear houses, probably for both just not being a good guitarist yet. Um, and also, you know, like my lyrical figuring out the finesse of executing um, what you do. Yeah. Cause there is some tact to it. Yeah. You know? And yeah, like, and I say a lot of like, I say a lot of bad words, you know, and I say a lot of like really edgy things and sometimes pre- people feel personally attacked, Yeah, you know? So they're like, you know, they want to get upset and leave and, and that's fine. They have every right to not like what I'm doing, Sure, you know, and I, I'll respect somebody more for getting up and leaving than like heckling the show. Yeah, you know, no, I agree. You, you know, don't have, you're not forced to be there. Exactly. You know, like I mean, you might have paid to go there, but like, unless you're paying to see me, you know, like go outside for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pay attention. You know, and if that's your prerogative, that's fine. Yeah. You know, like this is America, baby. Yeah. You know, like we're so, all allowed to like say stuff as long as you're not on. threatening anybody. Yeah. You know, like you're good. You know, I'm allowed to. You know, like cannibalism and necrophilia and fire and sing about it yeah yeah you know yeah um so talk about your new your new album your new ep dear johnny okay um it's gonna come out uh, august 19th uh it's gonna be three songs long um the first track has already been released on a compilation that um that my buddies uh well actually my my, my buddy fuzz daddy from jonas the cloud um did like a comp with like a bunch of other people. And so the opening track is already on that. I, I wish I could remember what the comp was called. It's on, it's somewhere on Bandcamp. Cool. Um, and then there's like a seven and a half minute, like studio track, which is the first time that I had somebody else record me. 
It was like, you know, in a house setting, but they had a much better uh, recording setup than, uh, you know, than I have in my house. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, they have a condenser mic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is just, you know, when I learned about that, I was like, that's why everything sounds so crappy and static (laughs) that I've been recording. I have to like layer everything with all this stuff to get a sound out of it. But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, that guy and I have had a bit of a falling out with him. He tried to censor me. Uh, since then so censor the song you made no he tried to censor me at a show i was playing that he threw um which and he should have known because we played a bunch of shows together so he knows what he's getting yeah but i essentially got half naked in front of his mom and he didn't tell me that hey my mom's here can you not do that and he didn't tell his mom hey you might not want to be down here for that and i told him i was going to get extra weird yeah like he was given fair warning i showed up to the show with no guitar okay that's how weird we got Yeah. Where was the music coming from? I, I basically, I uploaded a couple of noise tracks. Okay. Um, one of which will be, is, is the last song on Dear Johnny. Okay. Um, and I just kind of like went nuts with the microphone over like 24 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so not like, of just like weird abstract noise stuff with like some samples and like you know some beats that i made and some stuff that gets really weird and stuff you know a little bit more straightforward like hip-hop-ish kind of stuff and i got i got half naked like i am want to do and i crawled around on the floor (laughs) and i had a couple of props and you know it was it was his birthday uh, his birthday so show. Yeah, and I was like, you know, and this is, you know, I right before then is when I really started thinking that I wanted to do something that's not play eight songs in my half hour set and get off stage. Yeah, you know, which was fun, and I did a lot of really creative things with, but like I, I really started wanting to do a little bit more because I, I have not been able to find like a drummer that I can get you know together with, which is optimally what I'd really like. Um, so I just want to get really strange with the performances. I feel like my time's kind of running out, uh, doing what I'm doing. Okay. And at least for my own feelings, I feel like I've done everything I can do as a solo acoustic guitar and singer, kind of singer songwriter. If you, if your heart's not in it or it doesn't feel genuine, it's eventually going to be conveyed. Exactly. It kind it was, it was getting stale for me. Cause like I said earlier, I, I get bored easy. Yeah. You know, that's why, I mean, you could see uh, one of my shows and go to another one of my shows a month later and I'm playing the songs at different tempos, you know, doing different vocal patterns, switching around the lyrics. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I really need to keep it fresh. And I just had this idea and I was like, I'm just going to give him this, like, crazy experimental show that also helps me work something like this out. Sure. Um, and, yeah, he did not. He tried to cut me off. I wasn't having it. I, ca- I, I played until the 24 minutes were done. And it's really sad because I had brought some, like, games with me that I was going to play. And, like, I had prizes to give away to, like, the people at his party. Yeah. Because I was, I was the headliner. I was, the, like, the last act. Yeah. So I'm not even worried about, like, going over time or something. And, yeah. You know, and so I, like, brought all this, like, fun stuff to do and really, in, you know, engage with the party. Because I used to be in a band um, with Roddy Semantics and T-Smooth called Splattergory 6. <laughs> it was probably my most successful band. We played six shows in about a two-year span. Okay. Um, but we were a thrash jazz jam band with a undead hillbilly carnival theme. So we would play like, we'd have like 20 minutes of material and play like a three hour set at people's like parties and stuff. We always played parties. We'd bring games and prizes. So I was like, you know, like, you know, I'm playing like a legit birthday party. Let me, you know, like get extra crazy. Yeah. 
And, and he just, he did not appreciate it. And he tried to censor me and he's like really big into like, you know, anti-censorship. Sure. So, which, you know, like kind of like hurt my feelings. It was just like, dude, like you're supposed to be this guy, you know me. Yeah. You know, you know like we've played a buttload of shows together. We started working on some other like creative endeavors together and to just get that much of like a negative reaction. Yeah. And then, you know, and then like before I left, he was like, you know, like smack talking me to other people at the party, apparently. Mm. And it was like, I didn't even say goodbye. I was just like, you want to know what? He's upset. Let him be upset. I'm just going to leave this party. I'm going to yeah. go on with my life. You know, Cause, you know, you run into people like that, that just, you know, don't want to embrace something that's different. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you think that they know you and they don't know you. And then, you know, you're just yourself and, you know, they don't like it. So, you know, I, I hope he has, you know, a wonderful life. Sure. You know, I got no ill will towards him. Yeah. But like, it, you know. It's somebody that, you know, I can't, I, I can't work with in that capacity anymore. Yeah. Especially you know? if you expected them to have, to be one way and then like it kind of went the other way. Yeah. Like if you thought someone would have your back about like having, doing a set. And then yeah. Like, you know, I tried to really give somebody like something really special. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, it was, it, it, it was just, it was I met with I, disdain. I wish I could have seen that set. Um, do you have any more shows coming up? I'm playing in Massachusetts, uh, in Worcester at the Kitty Kitty Club, I think it's called. Okay. With uh, with a couple of great people. Um, tomorrow. Awesome. So I'm playing in Massachusetts tomorrow. This has been my tour. Yeah. I did such a bad job at booking this tour for 13 day tour. I'm playing one show. <laughs> <laughs> It's better than zero. So that's true. And I've played uh, like up there in mass a couple times now. And my friends down there, like we, you know, you know, it is like you make friends with some people and you just keep like, you know, swapping shows back and forth. Yeah. So yeah, like Fuzz Daddy is an awesome guy. Um, I'm playing with, you know, in his solo project, Friendly Dog. Okay. Um, But he's in Jonas the Cloud. I've played with them a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like they're just always really welcoming and you know just great people awesome yeah you toured your last tour was last summer yeah last summer that oh. that was crazy that was it was it was we played like a handful of shows um but it was a, an insane amount of driving yeah to get to arizona right yeah we did um i don't think we even played locally we played in ohio which I just played in Ohio like two weekends ago at uh, Soundfest. Okay. Um, and that was another like, you know, I'm just getting really weird with it. And then we drove from Ohio. We were in the car for 24 hours straight, swapping drivers every three to four hours. There's only two of us. Yeah. And 24 hours later, we ended up in Denver. Yeah. Um, hung out in like Denver, Boulder area for a couple of days. Cause you know, considering maybe moving there and did an open mic night. And then we went and played, um, Celestial Fest. If you know, do you know Dave Mannion? No. Uh, I think Abel Dave on Facebook or whatever. Uh, he recently just actually moved back to the area. I think he's he was in New Brunswick for a while. He's in Asbury Park now. Uh, no, just another great guy, but he invited me. He saw me play at the Alamo and yeah. invited me to play at like a two-day folk punk doom metal festival he was throwing at his house perfect in prescott arizona yeah so we boogied out there and that yeah we had played a show in tucson and we went camping at the grand canyon and then we boogied out to alabama and played at a plug house um with this another amazing human being bullfrog what's a plug house Uh, there's a it's like a social club in the south there's 
I think I, I've played at two of them. I've played now at the one in Alabama and the one in Georgia on my first tour. I think there's one in Kentucky, one in maybe Arkansas, okay. and maybe another one in like Mississippi. So it's like deep south yeah. kind of social club. How was your reception there? It was good. good. It, it was really light. They had had a like benefit show for a member that had died the night before. Um, so there wasn't a lot of people there, but everybody that was there got a hell of a show. Yeah. I was like walking on tables for that one. And like, you know, I got like extra weird with it. it for some reason, if there's only like a handful of people at a show, I'm more inclined to get like really intense. <laughs> Cause like, you know, like it's, it's almost easier to captivate a room of like 20 or 30 than it is a five, you know, but minus, you know, the other performers that happen to be. Yeah. There. Well, yeah, you have to, you have to sell it a little more cause when there's less people, there's, I guess, less energy in the room, but people are thinking, like, uh, I might want to go home soon. Like, yeah. It's quiet here. You yeah, know? exactly. It's almost like it's kind of awkward. I tend to play harder when there's less people. I, I feel like, yeah, you really, you have to. So, you know, like, it's like you're the only people here and you're going to get a hell of a show. Now, now, how much is improvised and how much is, like, kind of set or... All the songs are written and yeah. I generally don't deviate... But, like, I kind of, I like to write out set lists before I go. Mm -hmm. But then, like, I never look at them at the show. And I just kind of do whatever I'm going to do. Um, recently, it's been a lot more improv. I've started, like, doing medleys of songs. Because, like, I got to a point, you know, at, at the beginning, I was, like, writing really long intros for a song. So I could play shows, but I didn't have, like, a full half hour. Yeah. You know, like, prepared. So I, you know, like, you know, bulk it up with, like, five minutes of, like, intro on a couple of songs. And, like, at this point, like, I've been able to, like, cut a lot of fat cool. off of stuff. The songs that I'm not really feeling too much anymore, like, I don't really play anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, like, doing medleys. And I'd say a lot of the improv comes when I'm interacting with, with the crowd. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of songs that have like stories that go along with them, but yeah, like it's when I start interacting with people, that's when it starts to get like, you know, like genuine because I, I have, you know, I have to react to the situation. Yeah. So you like know, in songs front of are me. planned, but what you actually do physically yeah. often not as you're kind of like just going off what's in the room. Yeah, exactly. Cool. You know, and like, and depending on what kind of show it is will be how I play actually each individual song. Cause yeah. like I practice my sets playing all my songs really fast. And then maybe the next day I'll practice and I'll play like a set of songs really slow you know, or mid pace or like even like changing That's interesting. radically changing tempos in the middle of songs where yeah. it's like, Oh, the bridge is now really, <laughs> really slow. That's it, awesome. It helps me stay entertained. Sure. Um, yeah. you do it for you at the end of the day. Ex know? Exactly. The, the drummer from bitchin dudes out of Las Vegas. I played with them at the yes, Alamo. They, they stayed here once. Actually. Okay. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Just awesome so group cool. of people. Yeah. I think their drummers like over in like India or something now, like or yoga, was right? for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doing yoga. Um, but he had come up to me after I played and it was one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten after a performance. And he was like, I've never seen anybody play their music for themselves. Like you do. That's awesome. Like that was absolutely amazing. I loved what you did. And like and the fact that he picked up that I'm, I'm actually doing this for me. Yeah. You know, was like, you know, when people get what I'm doing and, you know, and then vocalize that to me, like that's, that just feels really good. Yeah. You know, that's like, super nice. you know, cause I, I like that I can touch other people and help other people deal with their stuff. But at the end of the day, like this is for me, yeah. you know, I'm doing this so that I can eat. 
And so that I can like purge all that negativity that I feel. It's your outlet. You know, like, yeah, out of, out of my soul. Yeah. Good. That's why you should be doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, you, you gotta, you know, do what makes you happy. Yeah. And if yeah. it makes you miserable, don't do it. I agree. Quit, quit your job. <laughs> if you're, if you're listening, I, I highly implore you to, to see Johnny B play live whenever it's, it's around in New Jersey. Good whenever. luck. I never play local. No, it's I do. Cool. It's just it's rare. I, I, the last time I yeah, saw you was at the Alamo's last show, which was probably a year ago. That was like a year or two ago. Yeah, I don't. I don't play. I don't like to play at the same places. It it felt like it was lot. your home show though, because you had kids okay. rallying around you, cheering your name and shit as you were playing, <laughs> like getting low and just going Johnny, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, what was the dude that like booked like that ran that Alex? Yeah, Alex Alamo it's, Alex. Yeah. Did you did you tour with him at some point too? Yeah, he he like chauffeured me around uh, for a tour. Cool. And then he basically went home and picked up the guitar and was like, "I want to do this." That's awesome. And the following year, then the two of us toured together. Yeah. And this tour was supposed to be the two of us together, um, but you know, like almost nothing happened. So you know, like that's just you know. Yeah. Now I'm just going to Massachusetts by myself because uh, he should, yeah. he recently moved to Manhattan and he's got to take care of you know. His life, his new life in Manhattan. Yeah. So very yeah, expensive. So now I'm going it alone. Yeah, exactly. He's, you know, he's got to do like work and yeah. You know, all that rigmarole. Yeah. Well, I give you credit for like finding a means to make it work still and still doing it. Thanks, it's, buddy. Yeah, of course. Well, hell yeah. Listen to Johnny B. Go see him at a show. Anything else you want to say? Um. Yeah. I, I don't know. A plug. A gratuitous plug of my thing. Plug it's it. Bentonimo. B-E-N-T-O-N-A-M-O, not Bentonamo. And I have a YouTube, a band camp, and the new record, Dear Johnny, will be out August 19th on SoundCloud. Hell yeah. Is, is there live performances on YouTube by chance? Uh, there's some. There's okay. like weird music videos I've made. Oh, and yeah. And yeah, like people have captured little bits of shows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're up there. There's one playlist called Stuck, which is... Videos of me from other people's YouTubes. Cool. And I think my Facebook, Facebook's dead anyway, but my Facebook has a couple of videos on it that people have posted. Yeah. Throughout the years. Cool. If you're looking for some good entertainment, some pretty kick-ass performing and and fucking interesting music, I would would check this out. Come hang out with the queer demon. That's right. That's a great moniker. Yeah, thank you. That's so good. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, yeah, thanks for coming through, Johnny. Cool goons. All right. Weird. Stay tuned. More episodes to come every week again. We're back. Bye. Stay healthy. Hey, you big ball piece of shit. I fucking hate you and I hope you die. Here's the bottom of a well drowning in your own jeans. Just like you fucking deserve. Cause you're a fucking asshole. Why you gotta be yelling so much? Cause you got...
are the mother. You are motherfucker. You. You are. You are the mother. You are motherfucker. Why the fuck am I saying fuck so many fucking times in this fucking song? It's so that it'll never be played on the fucking radio. And nobody will know who the fuck you are because you deserve that you deserve no recognition at all. Because you, you are, you are the mother. You are the motherfucker, you. You are. You are the mother. You are